Gentlemen, welcome to the Foodies and Everyday Side Podcast. Um, at, at home edition? Well, it's always really at home, I guess. Uh, <laughs> no, we've been at home edition for a long time. We're still at home edition. I'm not at my dining room table edition. I'm on the couch. Uh, I don't have a can of beer. I have a bottle of beer, yes. Beer still comes in bottles. I, I got you, though. You got me, though? Uh, <sighs> thank you very much. Well, cheers. Cheers. All right. Um... Ooh, a Bronx brew. We will get to Bronx Brewery in, in just um, – it's been a while. Foreshadow. Foreshadow. Like, I know, right? Who would have thought? Uh, it's been two months, I believe, since I've done a podcast. Um, last episode was called The Untappers. I had the beer guys on. It was me, Jimmy Bagadon, obviously, you know, my cousin, um, a good friend, Danny, and our, our good friend, B, from out in Ohio. Obviously, we talked about a bunch of beer stuff, um, a bunch of shenanigans. Um, and then it was Cinco de Mayo, then – birthdays and mother's day and a bunch of other crazy nonsense and then you know life happens still um and never got down to actually recording um another podcast we had a bunch of topics we kept building up building up building up um just never got a chance to sit down and actually put words to paper paper to, to my mouth back out into the world um we um uh, the last time we saw a good friend Gregorio here um hopefully you were watching on facebook live we did the the farewell to western um, I'm not the most tech savvy person. I was trying to upload that to YouTube. So it was always in the, the YouTube world. Um, I'm still working on that. Uh, for those that did participate and those watched, um, thank you again for that. Um, but since, uh, like I said earlier, since then, um, nothing much has been going on. Um, so we're going to, we're going to backtrack a bit. Um, starting with, um, obviously we're going to catch up with Gregorio and we did, we did a podcast February, uh, called Eating Out Race <laughs> Chinatown. Uh, we ate the shit out of, of Chinatown. Uh, luckily for us, it was also Chinese New Year, so we saw dragon dances, a bunch of, bunch of uh, other crazy shenanigans going on in the world. Um, obviously, it was the, uh, the beginning of this whole uh, COVID-19 thing, and obviously, Asians were being attacked, and they're, I mean, they're still being attacked, um, just not being reported as much as it used to be. Um, which we'll get to in a moment why. Um, but so, yeah, so now it's like a, a follow-up, so to, so to, so to <laughs> speak. Um, obviously, we haven't been able to go out and, and eat our way through it, but there, luckily for us, there's been some food things and some beer things um, out in the world that's been changing due to the events that's going on in the world that we can't talk about. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to start way back in May. Because you, uh, you, you, you join, join, and join. You participate in a podcast. Was it Latino Rebels? I believe. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. So you do this podcast. Uh, how many years now? Is it three in a row? Four in a row? I forget. I think this is. I think we've been doing the hashtag Cinco de Fallo, which means the fail of the fifth. It's all about pointing out the stereotypical imagery of Latinos, Latinas, Latinx that you see, and just to sell. Single the Mayo crap, and it's like, yay, buy the chips, what are they, pew, pew, pew. And I've been looking up the last two or three years, Julio Rivera of Latino Rebels, he invites me on, and we do a nice little podcast. He, he saves my tweets, because I, I try to keep a running log like a month before Cinco de Mayo. So we talk about it, we have a lot of fun. It, it's a bit more lighthearted, we don't really go deep in it, and that's fine, because they cover a lot of deep stuff. So I can be like a nice little fun point, because you, you know, it's like, Laugh for me. Laughing brains are most absorbent. If I can make you laugh, I can hit home a point. Yeah, exactly. 
Uh, so let's so yeah, so let's let's dive a little bit deeper into obviously because all the stuff that's going on. Uh, we had the attack against the Asians, and then obviously the ongoing fight for you is this Cinco de Fayo that goes on every year. Every, all your friends, all your followers, we all know that it's coming because um, like like a month or so. Like as soon as you get that first hint of something, it's like you start posting it, and then obviously. <laughs> Um, you go on the podcast. Uh, who I believe became an official news. Um, yes, Latino Rebels became an official news source for Google. So oftentimes, when they, if, like the Google homepage, they have their verified news sources. Latino Rebels is one of them, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, it's imagine the I need the hustle my way into that. It's like, hey, yeah, you know, you, and you were a part of it. So, <laughs> do you need an official Chicano to be all like? doing dumb shit in New York and talking about racial food justice. Yeah. Let's yeah, so let's 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 dive into that real quick before we get into the, the bigger topics. Um uh, just go I don't know, just a little, little just a little recap obviously because it was two months ago at the, practically two months ago at this point. So let's do a quick little recap of you touched on it a little bit before, but let's just go a little bit more in depth about why you are so gung ho and passionate about this whole thing of the fire, why you go on to the to their podcast and talk about it um, and just, yeah, take it, take it from there. It, it is personal for me when you see a lot of these imageries up there. I was raised, I came up in a very, I was very lucky. You know, um, I, I, I was raised among a lot of good people and you know, the hardworking immigrants. But sometimes the problem there is those kids, the first generation Americans go to school and there's this idea of fitting in and whatnot and you let a lot of, you think, you don't even know you're letting things slide, but you're like, you're the good Mexican, you're the good Uruguayan, you're the good Cuban, you're the good this, fit into this box, and ay, 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 it's like, hey, it's your holiday. So all these little microaggressions and stereotypes, you just think it's funny. It's all part of the course, because you want to fit in. And it, 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 it sticks with you, because you really are that, like a little lower class. That's what they're really trying to say. In order for you to fit in, Let's knock you down a notch. You don't see it that way. I know I didn't see it that way. It took me getting a little older and hearing more, studying more, opening my eyes to seeing it's like, yeah, no, they, they don't see you as a person. They just see you as these little jokes. And I think I spent a good time, maybe up until, I'll admit it, my 30s, some of these things just stay with you. Um, I was joking with someone about Speedy Gonzalez, and it's like, they want, they want you to believe that he's your hero, and it's cool, I don't know, you know, show so much of the cat. But those things that even when you try to turn into a heroic imagery of your stereotype, people are going to use that against you. And you just got to draw the line. Whether it's, you know, especially for a movie, Cinco de Mayo, you see all the white people wearing like the mustaches, the serrapes. The, our, our culture is not your costume because on that one day, yeah, we're Mexican and da da da. The next day it's build the wall, go the fuck back home. And it, it, it's, it's, it hasn't changed. And so, yeah, I'm very funny and loud about it. And people are like, oh, Greg, it's not a joke. No, it's not a joke. And there are a lot of people who hear these things and they're too afraid to speak up. And so I do. And I, I, I get pushed back on it, take a joke. It's like, no, no, yeah, you, you, you draw the line. Because if you don't draw the line for this, you don't draw the line for other people. And so like, there, there's absolutely no reason you should go around, you know, oh, she's Latina. She's a spicy firecracker. Fuck you. She's just a strong woman. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, you're Mexican. You must love beans. Fuck you. Everyone loves beans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's about not letting anyone get away with these little things that debase you. 
Right. That, that's been going on for such a long time. That seems like a, a norm that just goes over in everyone's head. That has, that's, does have this root of basic racism to it. I mean, it's for, or stereotypical bullshit. Um, I mean, every every culture other than, I mean, even white people. Um, I mean, all, we all have some sort of stereotype to us, but I'm obviously Chinese have their own, Latins have their own. So it can get <laughs> at times. I mean, I, I can do that up. I don't even know even turn it. Uh, I don't know what that was. And then it hurts. Message of, I'm right. Click. Oh, uh, right. my time is up. Thanks. Say, <laughs> <laughs> gee, take over. I'm going to. Uh, but, but, but you're absolutely right. Because, you know, it's. It, I, uh, oh, my God. I, I just talked about this. Uh, someone brought it up online. But I remember as a kid, someone said something, an Asian kid at school, and I think an employee, at, and I'm not gonna say, cause like, I remember the name, so I'm not gonna like trash someone. They're like, oh, it's like Hong Kong fooey. Yeah, the old Sammy's cartoon. Yeah, it, it's like all these little things. Now all of a sudden, people grow up, it's like, oh, it's like this, haha, it's a cartoon. I can't even imagine, like, you know, I, was, I was young, I didn't know, but I can't imagine what this kid must have felt. Right, yeah. I mean, we were obviously, um... Not to call them out, but <laughs> old, old cartoons. Um, <laughs> uh, see, it's a big giant company. I don't want to get sued, um, but it's their own fault. Cause Schmarter Bros. <laughs> no, the Schmarter, the Schmarter Brothers or Isney. Um, Flooney Moons. <laughs> Flooney Moons. You know, like you watch um, 80 and the Ramp, <laughs> and it's, oh, the one, the one cat scene just. Let alone, yeah. but even then, it's it's obviously it's they're Persian cats, so it's like, well, technically you're wrong, but you're sort of right. It's weird. Obviously, they're meant to look like Chinese cats. Obviously, they talk like them, sing like them, yada yada yada. But then when they go to the dog pound, you have all right, the Russian dog that's obviously talking in Russian. You have the little Chihuahua dog, and the full on like, what is that chibi heel kind of thing? It's like. Uh, like, these are really like stereotyping like across I mean it is across the board so they're not like pinpointing just one and like hi we're exploiting that one no, they exploited everybody well that's it's I mean not to but just it's like it's such a it's such a big name company that people go oh look we have a seat at the table we're there it's like oh and when they oh. did the 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 revamp of it like the live action I guess with you know the weird oh god like yeah. they cut all that shit out so yeah, it's, it's it's completely it's 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 modernized. It's a, it's a biracial couple. It's you know it's a uh, they got rid of all the, the stereotypical animal you know voices and and whatever. It's like they changed a whole bunch of shit. We're like well, it's you know everything got got hauled over and I'm like well, no shit because they put something like that out the way it was originally intended. They're gonna get fucking backlash like no other. So I mean I mean good for them that they obviously changed it over to to update it. Um, so did a lot of, I mean, a lot of good things, especially with the, the whole biracial couple, because that was obviously a new thing. Um, yeah, it's like, it's, it's 2010, 2020, at yeah. this point, when they've thought about filming this, it happens. Yeah. Not like this weird new thing. Yeah. So, I it, know a few things. It's like, at the same time, it's like, you know they're doing it, and I'm per- like, it's trying to re- recover or save face from the bullshit cartoonist from way back when, back in the 40s and 50s, where I'm fucking cartoon was made and now it's like all right we're now we're yeah no s- saying oh that's just the way it was like oh that's just the way grandma is and grandpa is like 
you got to call people out in that because it does get it, it, it gets passed on. It does get passed on because if you if you want if it wasn't that way, Song of the South would actually be you know available. Yeah. It's not because people pass that stuff on. You, right. So it's like, I'm, I'm um, sorry, Granddad, I'm gonna we're, we're gonna call you out. Yeah, the 90 year old racist is still. I mean, you're not gonna change his mind. He's still gonna be racist no matter what. So it's like, oh, that's just that's just Grandpa. That's just the way he is. You can still come out in this bullshit, but you're not going to change yeah, it. Yeah, when people ask, like, why, why do you chin check these people online? It's like, I'm not doing it for them. I'm doing it for, like, people who are reading this that think, oh, I can also get away with it. And someone won't say something. Mm-hmm. Or someone reading it who is affected by that. And they're like, oh, no one's standing up for us. Yeah. Because no, you, you, you got to say something. It's because they're afraid of what might happen to them. Um, but, all right. So that's quick, quick little, little, little rant off. Of, of that um so what else all right so we had the single to mile something else happened in between them which i can't remember right now because i lost all my notes anyway uh i said mother's day no 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 yeah nothing all right i got nothing there uh coming back to me no um so let's just let's let's dive into obviously we're fast forwarding now back to today's today's world of chaos um and, and so we have the black so we're still in the pandemic as you all know as well as we're in a civil Wait, rights I, I i do want to say real quick on the pandemic thing i got a feeling in our podcast or some of our like facebook lives while we were drinking and eating out the town we might have said it we might have been one of the people who said it, like calm down it's just like the flu go on and eat and we were so misinformed and i want to apologize for that i don't apologize for the you know cause I, I know who i'm pointing my finger at because we were not informed like also this information that the, the CDC was not allowed to tell us. Um, right. So I do want to say, it's like, I, I good Lord, the, the way they kept some of that info from us. But I'm glad we did what we did because the, this, the, well, the time- racist and the, the, the way people were like, don't eat, even like, and, and they were not just because don't hang out with Asians. Every stare, like the, the food, oh, it must be the dogs. Yeah. The, they ate a bat. We had to say something. I'm glad we did. Or yeah, we might we could have said it. We might have said it. Um, I'm sure if people want to backtrack us and find our feeds or videos or whatever, and it's like, well, you, you said it was just the flu. You know, come on down, blah blah blah. Uh, yeah, again, apologize. Um, we're working with the information that we're working with, but the reason why we were down there was to show at the time, since there was a lot of attacks on Asians, Asian restaurants were closing down, especially in Chinatown. Verbal, mental, physical. I mean, it was, it was, it was against, against people that had nothing to do with what was going on. Their business were being affected. So we took it upon ourselves to go down there like, there's nothing to be afraid of at that, at that point. You know, it didn't get to us yet, I believe. Not, uh, COVID did not reach us in February. Or it could have been, but we know. Who the hell knows? Yeah, how much info they kept from us because someone was playing golf. As from we were, you know, COVID didn't reach down, so obviously you saw us. No mask, no one was wearing masks, uh, and we were trying to support the local business that are around there that, you know, were, were losing business because you know, I mean, Chinatown's a main, I mean, tourist people. Uh, I'm gonna say tourist trap, but it's a, a tourist area um, that need that needed help. I mean, right. Kept getting daily reports of all right. This place is closing down. This place is closing down. This place is closing down. This person got attacked over here. Now this place is closing down. Like, so we went down there to do 
our due diligence, our show our support of the people. And we're fat asses. You know, and, and yeah, we're fat asses. So we wanted to eat, you know, some good food. Um, and we did. Um, so, yeah, as much as I, I we apologize for, I'm going to sort of backtrack my own stuff here. As much as I, I would like to apologize, and I, I will apologize for, we did say, you know, flu, I'm down, don't worry about it, blah, 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 it's just a flu. Oh, no, sorry, not sorry. Sorry, not sorry kind of thing, yes. Yeah. And, you know, but, it, but, but it does lead into now with, with uh, Black Lives Matter, and your hate uh, people demanding justice. Right. Or just every goddamn day. So now, yeah, so now we're, we're, we're to now bring it back again, full circle. We're in the Black Lives Matter, obviously, civil rights movement yet again. Um, and I say yet again because if you don't understand why I'm saying yet again, not you. I know you understand. I'm talking about you. <laughs> you don't understand why we're, we're in the 18,000th round of, of Black Lives Matter and civil rights uh, movement. Um, you know, fucking read a, read a book. Read actual a good book, a history book. Google is free. Google is free, but don't go to the bullshit website that. Never mind. Um, but we are talking about Black Lives Matter. Um, obviously, what's going on in support of uh, black-owned, you know, businesses to help support them. Uh, you've been posting a lot of cookbooks that you have. I, I believe, or, or chefs that have influenced you. I know Michael, is it Michael Twitty? Is that his first name? Yeah, Michael W. Twitty wrote The Cooking Gene, which is just an, I'm, I'm on my third time reading through it about rediscovering the food ways of the African uh, diaspora, especially through his life. He was tracking how his, where he comes from, and just, you know, brutal honesty, because it's like, not like people tend to talk about slavery, how like, you know, people were just hired for minimum wage. It's like, no, you you say enslaved. It's not just slave owners. It's genocidal people who raped. Because a lot of the things you see coming up when he talks is how the lineage goes in between black and white. Because these slave, these slave owners raped the women. Right. He didn't learn that in school. They were not. Thomas Jefferson didn't have a mistress. Right. Yeah. Raped a woman. You know. <laughs> and it's. The, the story is amazing because you see all the different influences. Yeah, you know, a lot, a lot of cooks, I think offhand know the French, Acadian, Cajun, Creole, how everything blends, but he gets into like how it could have blended uh, between the different ports, like which Africans got shipped to what port and whatnot. Um, it, it, one of the things just rereading it now that really stood out to me, he says people back then had a better understanding of the countries in Africa because they knew what they wanted in their community, in their part of the state to grow. Like if you wanted good rice, you get West Africans. If you wanted this, you go Senegalese. And I, it was fascinating because you know we, we do have this idea in our head of what they must be like. You no, know, it, it, it was they knew what they wanted, and it, it really makes it, it makes it so much more brutal. Right. They, 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 really, they really just commodified people. Um, so in terms of that intellectual knowledge of where your food comes from, where people come from. It's a great read. It's hard. It's, it's brutal. It's in your face. And as it should be. If, if you, yeah. And he's just a great dude. I met him once. I've seen him talk before. He's got, he's got a great social media presence. I've seen, it, I've seen him talk live on webinars. If you get a chance, you should follow, follow him at uh, The Cooking Gene or Michael Twitty on Facebook or Instagram and Twitter. Uh, he does a lot of talks. Uh, I highly recommend it. So there you go. Um, yes, I definitely wanted, obviously, to, for you to talk about him because I know you're, you're a big fan. 
uh, not just of his cooking, but what he preaches about his cooking and where it comes from and everything else. So that was, that was a big thing. Um, but since we're, we're in this movement, larger companies, big companies are, are taking notice of brands and what they have to offer. The first one is good old Aunt Jemima. Aunt Jemima. Oh, the old Aunt Jemima, who initially, I mean, was an enslaved woman who then created, was the face of this, this syrup. And then obviously uh, she was the face of it for a while. And then obviously it changed again to another another lady, which I can't remember off the top of my head. I do apologize for that. Um, once again, my notes. That's all right. Uh, yeah. No, I've, I've been going down that rabbit hole too. And I, like, I, I also thought it was just like, oh, a woman came up with it. I was able to, there's a great article and I'm not going to take the credit. So I'm going to tell you it's, um, it was never about the pancakes by Sarah Donaghy. I believe I saw it on blackexcellence.com. They, she took it so far back. It was, and I'm reading physical note, pen and paper. See, this is, I'm old. So this is what we do. This digital stuff. I don't, you, you. All the digital stuff See, that's why you need to write down shit down. Analog, baby. All my digital um, stuff. Boom. See what happens? Apparently. There, there was in, on what, the, what you would call, what some people think is the vaudevillian circuit, there was the minstrel circuit. There was an old song called the Old Aunt Jemima Song, written by Billy Kirsten in 1875. And I couldn't pick up if it was a white or a black man, but it was definitely a song that was sung by a bunch of white guys in blackface. And one of the main features, one of the men would be wearing what you would consider the, the mammy outfit. You know, the bandana, you know. Oh, yeah. And it's this, it's this fantasy, you know, it's a old, dark, black, happy young woman. Cause that's, it was meant to, it, it's, it's a fantasy that's meant to appease white and black people. You know, Donnie would suggest that white people want to be like, you know, they want that subservient, happy, non-threatening black person. And for black people, they want to see someone that wouldn't get raped by the, raped by the white man. Because unfortunately, there really wasn't a mammy. Most of the enslaved, especially in the kitchens, would have been a young, you know, good-looking girl because the master of the house would have the way. It's, it's, it's devastating. So they were trying to create this thing. It's like, no, hey, look. And it became a popular figure so much so that in, last my note, last my note two guys in 1889 created the Davis Milling Company. And they had this idea for this flour, like, oh, it's a pancake mix. And, um, oh, my God, I had it, too. You would love this. It was just, like, wheat flour, corn flour, some lime by, byproduct, and salt. Nice. It was nothing special, but they needed that, that gimmick. Right. So they latched on to the Mammy idea, and it, it flew. They're like, oh, Aunt Jemima, Miami character. And everyone just wanted this whole fetishized Southern charm thing, and it worked. In 18... Haha. No, no. So they, no, no. 1889, two guys tried it. They couldn't do anything with it. 1890, they sold it to the Davis Milling Company. They hired a woman named, I lost it, Nancy Green in 1834. And she was an enslaved woman. 1863 was the Emancipation Proclamation. They're like, oh my God, you would fit this character. She was a domestic servant. Her owners at the age of 56 was like, hey, audition for this role. Uh, 1893, the Chicago World Expo, they, they had this whole thing, and she was such a hit, they had to hire security, because they all wanted to see this mammy figure selling a pancake mix, and that's how it was sold. 
it was in that little point that it created this but now it was a brand it was this fetishized brand to sell to everybody because it was you know safe for one side safe for the other and that's that's really how it grew oh there it is lime phosphate salt wheat flour corn flour um, they would have her singing songs like or like the branding would say like Aunt Jemima, ice in town honey and you know generation after generation there was books toys and like i'm not trying to have a pun here but it's sort of whitewashed it's people just it just became a thing people just think it became a thing but this this whole backlash against Aunt Jemima wasn't just now it, it, it's 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 cyclical it happened in the civil rights movement, 70s, 80s, 90s. I remember in the 90s and early 2000s hearing it, and I would, it's just syrup. It's just syrup. Yeah, yeah. So and this is when, when I wasn't being offended by all the shit that I would, my is against me. Because yeah. if it doesn't happen to you, which is unfortunately the problem, if, if people think that's, that's a privilege, and that's a privilege I had as a kid, if you don't think it happens to you. But these were all, like, that's really how a lot of that came from. Anyway, there was a second actress, um, I, I, I'm horrible too. I think her last name was Thompson. I didn't write it down. I'm a horrible human being. But that's, that's how they pitched it. They always had people playing a character. Um, I'm the host. I should have one. <laughs> and people are fed up, and as they should be. These images in Uncle Ben too shouldn't exist. Um, Mrs. Buttersworth is also on, on potential. Oh, and Cream of Wheat, I believe. Uh, mm-hmm. The face of Mrs. Buttersworth, I think, came about 50 or 60 years later. I just found mm-hmm. out like an hour ago. But uh, oh, yeah, it was, uh, Zoom calling with someone else. Was, was chain- rebranding. The other one, sort of like, all right, you know, Uncle Ben was going to be next because um, that's probably has uh, some has to <laughs> some deep seated racial background of crap. I, I, I think I was able to see it much more clear. Um, and again, this is horrible of me not being a better journalist or someone who's trying to get more information out. But someone on NPR had a great article about that show with Padma Lakshmi called Taste of, Na- Taste of Nation or Taste of a Nation. Yeah. It's all about like a lot of these traveling food shows try and make immigrants or you know, non-white people look good. And it always boils down to the food. And it's like, and we hear this a lot as cooks. Treat them nice. They cook your food, or they press your clothes, or they do that. You order takeout, don't you? It's like, gosh, appreciate them. It's like, I, and that, and I think, you know, I, I see that. I think I could say, it's like, hey, chill out. These people cook your food. You know, my mom was a maid. Like, do I see, want to see my mom as, as I've others see her as just a maid? Do I want to see like people in our communities seen as just cooks? And sometimes I think that's what these shows do, and that's what these imageries do. You know, and it does get worse. You know, we, we're pussyfooting here. People will use Aunt Jemima and Uncle Ben as a slur. So yeah. let's. So it's like, you know what? Yeah, let's get rid of the imagery. Yeah. You know, there's so many. You know, and that, that's not that's not going to end racism. But this is this is like the easy free throw. It's like just just get rid of the imagery. Something that's it's, that's gonna impact your life zero percent. You can still get fucking maple. You want shitty maple syrup? It's out there. Go buy some generic brand. Master P has a whole pancake brand and then rice brand. If you go out and get Master P, I forget what it's called. Um, but these I've are, heard that's good shit. Um, so, yeah, you know, Master P. That's right. Master P. You heard me correctly. <laughs> Everyone, everyone's like, yeah, he doesn't know what Master P is. Yeah, he does. Mm-hmm. Yes, he does. Um, yeah, Ma- Master P actually does get featured, and if you don't believe that Travis would know, we do follow a lot of food websites, Eat or Serious Eat, and you'd be like, 
several times a year, you will see Master P's name come up because he his food and 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 food and beverage hustle is amazing. I've heard such good things. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Once you stop uh, making music himself, he's branched out to other venues. <laughs> make him say, uh, "What am I going to make money off now?" Oh yes, and it's fantastic. It could be make you say, uh, "Rice." Pancake mix. Who the hell knows? Um, all I do remember is there was one video online where the guy was, he rolled in, he was in a wheelchair, he rolled into a star, and he was looking for a masterpiece like rice or, or pancake mix. And all oh, he found was the, the usual one. So the, the white people, the white people, white people brands. And he literally threw a fit, like, you're supposed to have diversities, Black Lives Matter, you're supposed to be carrying this. And like the, the, the poor manager was doing his best. Like, he, he has no control. Like, it's one of those big, right? Like, here's no what comes in first. Yeah. Sir, like, I apologize for not having it. Like, you just get, like, and he's like, I apologize. You know, I'll, I'll call my, my vendor or whoever is in charge and we can get it in. Yada, yada. And the dude just wasn't having it. He's like throwing, throwing the product. But, you, got, and, you got rolled out. <laughs> but that's, that's sometimes the hard part because people want an easy answer and there isn't because you have to keep unboxing and keep going out and out. It's like you don't see a lot of the big, you don't see the, like, the black owned businesses in the, in, in the major chains because they only sometimes see us as that image of Jemima or Uncle Ben. So you don't, you know, people, all these, these businesses, they want to say Black Lives Matter and that's great. But I love that the reaction is often that's great. What, what is your CEO, CFO, COO? What is your um, upper tier management look like? Yeah. I mean, because yeah. If, if, if you're not, they're not represented there, it, yeah. these companies aren't being sought out. Right. You don't have those voices in your boardroom, whether it's theater, food, so many things like no one's looking out for that. Right. And, and that's really what it comes down to. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like I said, the poor guy had probably had no idea that. Master P had a rice or pancake brand or, or both, whatever, whatever or products. Um, they just stocked what they knew their clientele was going to buy. The Aunt Jemima's, the Arthur Flower, or, you know. I know, I'm right again. Oh. Um, I really have no idea how to turn that volume down. Uh, Someone asked me earlier, like, is log cabin racist? And I'm like, I, I don't know. You're tearing down trees. It's climate change, maybe. I don't know. I gotta look that one up. I'm, I'm sure there's some people out there that you know are, are pissing off by log cabin. But speaking of um, pissing people off, yeah, I know this is, a, this is an interesting segue. Um, speaking of, I was talking to my obviously my cousin who is in a uh, a beer store. And obviously, we're talking about Bronx Brew because they released, well, they're going to release um, a beer called. Not anymore. Not anymore. De- well, defund the police. This is this was the initial. Remember, and they had the whole thing about it called defund the police. Before you go on, the irony for one moment there was a thin blue line on the screen, like that. <laughs> kismet, kismet. But go ahead. There you go. Um, so yeah, so the, you know the defund the police. Um, the, this was the, the king, the, the, they first dropped this on Instagram or Facebook, wherever, social media, I guess, uh, about two weeks ago, a week ago or something like that. Oh, a little June 19th. Okay. So, all right. So a little over a week ago. Um, so then I was talking to him and it was like, you know, defund the police. And I was like, there's a couple people that I know were like, you know, Bronx Brewery, the Bronx Brewery, they're shit anyway. So I'm not even going to buy their product. They're, they're. Promoting this defund the police, and my cousin's like, 
as much as I would try the beer, I would not put it into my store because I knew it wouldn't sell that the store is now putting out this message about defunding the police and uh, so forth, so far and so forth. And I kept going on and going on. I was like, well, are you arguing that you don't want the message coming out that you support this brewery that has this beer called defund the police or you just don't want the brewery in there or, or, or the product itself in there? What's like, what was the reason behind it? And he was like, he broke it down in, in, into a business standpoint. He's like, yeah, he would, he personally would try the beer, but he obviously doesn't, you know, it's not his store. Um, it was like, I'm sure it's like, well, if he brings that beer into the store, word got out that he's supporting you know, the Black Lives Matter, the, the, uh, the notion of, of defunding the police, and people's notion of what that means, uh, the sales would go down, they would, they would boycott the store, they could, you know, possibly, who knows what these people would do if they uh, bring that, that beer in. And then I retorted if, because obviously, so, and then I came, because obviously we're talking about beer, and I was like, all right, so Metallica has a beer, Megadeth has a beer, Bands have a beer. There's different breweries that sort of make beers with, you know, uh, people's names or their song titles, whatever. And if I said, if Compton came, if a Compton brewery came out with um, a beer called Fuck the Police, obviously representing the, uh, NWA, would you then go and buy it? I mean, because everyone's, you know, loves all these band kind of brand names, uh, band beer. That's a good question to you. Wow. I was like, well, because that's technically you're, you're not saying the same thing, but it's, it's a more direct quote because they were talking about police brutality, you know, way, well, this was 80s. Yeah, if you want to talk about a more prerogative, uh, pejorative statement, a more hurtful statement, fuck the police is a lot more better than we're going to take some money away. Everyone loves that song. But it's like, well, if, if like I said, I got brewery from Compton a microbrewery that's up and coming that actually put out a great product and they just happened, they named it Fuck the Police because then WA, would you then go buy it and put it in your store? If they have the great reputation, obviously Bronx has a good reputation, whether you like the beer or not is, is your own personal taste, would you then go and buy that and put it in your store? And then he gave the same response. It's still sending the message of Fuck the Police and you wouldn't be able to put that in the store because you're, you're begging your... He said, you're begging your, your wholesaler not to buy your, that product if you're going to put something out there. It's just like, that's a, it's going to be a loss of money. Then I also said, knowing if they were going to create that beer, they knew full well that it's going to piss people off. And they're more than okay with or happy with the dip in sales to put this out there for whatever you know, the cause that they believe in, obviously. Uh, now, so now let's go back to... You stand by your principles. And by your principles. So, so now let's go back to Bronx Brewery. Defund the police. You were drinking a lot of Bronx Brewery. Obviously, you live in the Bronx, um, and you've been buying a lot of their products. Um, so you, you're yeah, I'm like, of, of I'm like yeah. rocking the, the fun so stuff. You're, here. You're, you're a fan of their their the beer that they they make. I'm half and half when it comes to Bronx. Sometimes I think the product is pretty good. Sometimes it's not so good. But that's just me being me. I'm kind of a, a snob when it comes to of beer i don't like all beers that i have it's because it's beer doesn't mean i'm gonna like it um, i gotta tell you this is gonna sound odd but if you buy their beer at walgreens or rite aid it's gonna be bad because i think a lot of people don't buy craft beer at those kind of stores if you don't have it like a good craft beer nearby 
I think the, like I, I've had their stuff and it's okay and I like it. But when I started getting it directly from them after the, the pandemic started, I'm getting stuff that's canned pretty regularly, it's moving fast. Um, I, I think when it goes to certain stores, the stores that aren't used to selling good beer, it's suffering, sorry for the cook phrase, everybody, time temperature abuses. <laughs> because they're like, not, their formulas, like their standard, like they're not their up and comer stuff, the stuff that they put all the time. We've been drinking it for years. And it's like, yeah, it's good. But for some reason, <laughs> when we get it from them and it goes right into the fridge, it, it, like all, I think all my, uh, we use the untapped app, all my ratings went up 0.25 to 0.75 on each one. It was like night and day. You retasted, you retried. Yeah. And I think on like when the second time I, I got an order from them, I think one, one little case I didn't put in the fridge for like a week. Cause I just had a lot of food in there, blah, blah, blah. Those cans. Because they were just like, they were, they were just sitting out at 70 to 80 degrees. I'm like, mm. they weren't, in, been, you weren't, you weren't holding them in then the dark, cool place. You were in a, exactly. And, and so it's like, and well, you don't have to put your, once you buy the beer, you don't have to instantly throw it in the fridge. Yeah. You can put it and store it. And because I have several cases of beer <laughs> in my closet, but it's in a closet. It's in a dark, cool mm -hmm. place. It's away from the sunlight or whatever. I literally have no room in my closet because it's predominantly taken up by a ton of beer. But <laughs> you want me to wear a suit? Nah, this is my beer closet. So my clothes out to put the beer in. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I didn't want to make light of the situation, but it is one of those from a pure, a pure taste point of view over the last couple. Like 34 months. No, yeah. <laughs> time has no meaning. I met them, but yeah, I, I, do, I do drink them. They, they've been nothing but amazing. Um, they put that post out June 19th and a, a lot of stats. For, for, especially since this pandemic. I'm falling into my couch, so I apologize for me constantly falling around. Um, there's my foot. <laughs> I don't want to see that. <laughs> keep, keep that down. Keep. No. Um, there we go. This is my head. Uh, but yeah, so you've been obviously an advocate about Bronx Brewery, obviously with Black Lives Matter. So it's kind of a combo action for you because you, you, know, you are an activist um, with everything going on. You've been more well, from you've been more vocal than most of my friends that I know. I mean, they are vocal and they they are doing their part. But obviously, I've known you more advocate about everything that pops up. Um, you try, you know, I mean, you've gotten to Twitter wars and Facebook wars and a bunch of other wars. Uh, you know verbiage add in verbiage of, of your fights um but since this is like a combo action for you since you do actually like the brewery um obviously uh defund the police is a strong message to put on their can um obviously they did get a lot of backlash when they posted this beard not just from obviously us behind the scenes but obviously on their instagram page uh, which we were talking about a little bit before we came Came on the air because obviously we're not on the air, but we're recording now to hopefully be on the air later. Uh, Pre-record uh, talk. Uh, we were talking about the, the backlash that um, this beer has gotten, um, and I, I'm sure you have some some notes <laughs> written down somewhere because I told you um, that we were going to talk about this. Um, so what, what do you what are your thoughts on? Do you think it was a right? I mean, obviously. They're in the Bronx, obviously. Bronxbury, kind of self-describing there. Um, obviously, they're they're a brewery of their community. 
um, obviously they're going to support their community because even on their Instagram post, they, they wrote down why they're they're making they 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 name this beer why the well defund the police. Um, I'm not going to read it because it's long, um, and uh, I wanted to get your your thoughts on the defund the police. Do you think it was a smart move for them to do? and their reaction to obviously what came about of that. I think you can't really call something a smart or a not smart move when you're standing on your principles because you just know you're going to get the flag. And they took a stand. It was, you know, they wanted to donate $1,000 to the community. Communities United for Police Reform. You know, the, the, the Bronx has been you know, a predominantly black and brown community. But I think a lot of people... People who aren't from here, people who aren't from here, yeah, New York, think the Bronx as predominantly black and brown. But people sometimes see the Bronx in the gaze of the South Bronx, what you see on TV. But I mean, I'm over here on a certain end of the Bronx where you go past the 95 Highway, and a lot of the houses are very suburban. It's a huge, you know, community of ex and current police uh, police officers. And you got a lot of that. You know, I don't want to just say white because uh, you see the different flags. You're talking like right. Italy, Ireland, a lot of Albanian markets. And so these are the communities I think reacted heavily. And it was such an organized, disgusting effort because instead of really saying, having a conversation, it was an instant, you know, the usual, your beer tastes like piss, your beer tastes like piss, your beer tastes like piss, I bet it tastes like piss. And I'm like, and you click on these profiles, and by the way, people who are very negative, they hide their profiles. <laughs> so that they're cowards. So I don't mind saying this, they're cowards. The few people who did have a few things, it was a lot, you can see that it was geared towards, I'd say, personal opinion, 75%, 80% ex-employees, former cops. Because you see the certain logos or whatnot, then blue line, certain Nordic imagery, which has been tied to white supremacy, but unfortunately a lot of cops use. Not saying all cops are white supremacists, but when you do the work on some of the logos that are used, it's like, <laughs> um, and it's all they had time to do. And it's like, they're not talking about the issues. And some of the things they talked about how, you know, it, uh, our communities are, it's, it's, a, it's a, what is it, um, school to prison pipeline, uh, how most people arrested or frisked for drugs are black and brown. In immediate like no you lie black and brown people are lazy yeah sure you know next time you need help don't call the cops you're gonna get raped you're gonna get looted and it's like we're sorry we're taking away your idea of hero worship here but we didn't say take away the cops we're just saying defund because five to six billion dollar budget just the nypd alone and special education gets cut here education infrastructure it's like I, I used to live in a town of, called Harrison up in Westchester, and they would have heavily armored vehicles. And it's a sort of very white, suburban, quiet town. They didn't, you know, they, they didn't need a sound cannon. Um, and I think that's really what it comes down to. It's like a lot of that money can go back into the community for education, infrastructure, mental illness. And that all makes sense. There's a lot of unpacking. There's no like easy answer, an easy way to describe that. But because of that, People just want to react. You're wrong, and you know, it's just that it, it, the minorities do crime. Chicago—that's the big thing. They always want to bring up Chicago. What about the deaths in Chicago? They never want to unpack the whole fact that the gun laws around Chicago and Illinois are lax, 
that's a whole other podcast. We can talk for hours of the unpacking of the racist tropes that people will bring out to discredit the idea of police reform. But the thing that really, really is disturbing, this coordinated effort to attack the Bronx Brewery that on the 24th, they said, we're not going to make this beer. And I'm not saying they're chicken shit, but I was just really disappointed because they had to say it. They got death threats. Not like, ho, ho, hope you get your news, you're going to get looted, don't call the cops. No, they got for real death threats. And so they're not going to make that beer. And I get it. It's, it's not even a business decision. It's an employee, it's a safety decision. It's a safety decision yeah. And it's not from the looters or the black and brown people. It's from the people that we're supposed to expect to protect and serve, former and current. And if you don't believe me, go on their social media, look at all the comments. I'm, I'm, I did a lot of dunking on Facebook if you really want to look. It's, a, it's been a lot of fun, but not really. It's, that was the disappointing part. Unsurprising, the reaction. Because, um, yeah, I, I knew they were going to get shit upon. I mean, like I said earlier, whether you like the beer or not, they just, they just chose to ignore the people that actually, like you said, they were like, oh, you're, you're beer shit, you're beer shit, you're beer shit, which a lot of my people that I know um, said the exact same things, like, fuck the Bronx, you know, that beer shit, you know, X, X beer is better, this beer is better, you know, this beer is better, this one's better. I'm like, I drink shit beer all the time. It's called PBR. I'm happy to drink shit beer. I don't care. I'll drink good beer, too. And so, you know, well, well, it was like, I was like, just because they called it defund the police doesn't mean I'm going to not go and try it. Could be a very could have been a very tasty beer. I don't know. Sometimes a bad brewery or a decent brewery can get the right formula and this, the new one that they created, and it could have been it could have been great. And the fund the police could have done a lot of good. Uh, but of course, it's not about the taste. It's, it's really it's, it's it's the ingrained hero worship culture. Yeah. And the, the, I I try to bring it down to a couple of things. I talk about like the heavy armored vehicles, the sound cannons. And some people mention things like, well, they, these cops are undertrained. I'm like, they are, and you should be upset because why are we paying for tanks when we could be training people better? But, but the one that really gets me, if you really are about all lives matter and you really care about the cops, I think one of the most underreported news here is, I wish I had the exact numbers and I apologize, the cases of COVID-19 among the NYPD and prisoners um, Apparently, we can have money for cannons and teaching them military-style ways to take down the terrorists, but they only choke out black and brown people. But we can't give them PPEs. These are human beings. You can hate cops. I get it. But it's human. It's a basic fucking humanity. Cops have died from the coronavirus because we couldn't give them fucking PPEs. But here, drive this cool Dodge uh, heavily armored vehicle. Um, that, you know, or the plain, plain clothes officers or drive the cars that have no labels. Those are all cool and smart and oh, we're going to terrify everyone. But God forbid we, we, we treat them with enough respect to help them not get sick. And we didn't. Yeah, yeah. That, like, uh, that organization. yeah. People's notion of what defund the police actually means is stop giving them all their money, get rid of the police, and let everyone just live in a world of no law. Like we're back in the wild west or some shit. That's not exactly. That's not what the fun the the police means. Is they're getting a shit ton of money. We just want to take some of that money. And we're not saying do not give them any more money. We're just saying here's a big pie. We like 
five money. Let's we're gonna take this a little bit, give it to over here, take that a bit, and give it to over there. Give this a bit, give it to over them. You should. Yeah. Have how are all the cops in the schools? How many school shootings have they stopped? There. But we we get the videos of them slamming you know black kids onto their desks or onto the floor or up against the wall. It's like that's, we we don't need to do there. We absolutely do though. So we can we can we we can train people for social services and mental illness, right. um, helping out with the schools better. And there's a whole other thing. And I I brought up Chicago because one of the things people say it's like, well, what about kids who bring guns to school? They always want to bring up guns and black people, and they never want to talk about because they you know they, they love their Second Amendment rights, but they don't want to talk about the lax gun laws around the areas where the guns are bad for us. Because that's what it is in Chicago. Illinois has really strict gun laws. We know where it doesn't. Everywhere else around. Yeah. No one wants to talk about no no one like that wants to have the conversations that are needed. They want their right wing platitudes of just black on black crime, Chicago, you know, they're too lazy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, which none of that is true. It's just meant to fear monger, fear monger, fear monger. And it's it, it's it's heartbreaking that you you would threaten the lives of people who work in a brewery because your idea of the status quo hero worship was threatened. Yeah. So, I mean, they, and so they didn't cave in, they weren't chicken shit. They, they decided they were given enough death threats to the point where it wasn't safe for them to make this product. Which and, and they're not saying they don't still believe in, de- in, in police reform and defunding the police. They just said, we're not, we're not going to make this beer because it just – this whole thing about we want to make conversation, not stop it in its track. But all the things they said before about the horrible crime statistics that are caused by redlining and the school-to-prison pipeline and how we're over-policed and rolling, you know. I, I give you another example. Crack epidemic. We threw so many, and then weed, so many black and brown people in jail. But as soon as white people and heroin happened, oh dear God, treatment, 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 treatment. Where was all this in the 80s and 90s? You know, that's that point of view, but no one wants to unpack that because it's just, it's just, it's so easy to be racist, I guess. And then have that, it's so easy to be racist when you have the power. And that's what they don't want. They want to maintain that status quo. Flip shit. Just you know, <laughs> Travis. Travis like Greg got serious. What the yeah. hell? He took <laughs> a second. I'm like, what? How, how do I respond to that? <laughs> it's hard, and it should be hard, and that's okay if you don't have a response. It's like that's a lot to drop, and then the next day you're gonna go, holy fuck, and then you're gonna read something and go, holy fuck, and you're gonna have a laugh about it because we talked about it, and then holy <laughs> fuck the next day. Like, that's how this. This is how the, this is how the work happens. Yeah, and it, it sucks because I had a lot of. I had a lot of different talking points on the, the subject obviously because I use technology it all went downhill because you know I click a couple of buttons and all shit goes away um, it is what it is um, but they do they are, which is weird because they're also I mean they created is that the, the, the beer that you're drinking now is that the pride beer yeah this was the pride beer the right. some like it hot I actually saw a great webinar with uh, one of the owners, Brandon. I forget his last name. Sorry, Brandon. But their lead bartender, Christine. You seen this right? Yeah, Christine Correa. They. Um, I'm going to say they because I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing right. But she's out and proud, and she gave such a great talk about how she designed this. But just making. Hello, how she said it. She wanted to create a beer that you can just make a day of it. 
because there are so many people in the in the LGBT community, non-binary, how are they and how they express themselves. I feel they just can't be out there. Like, no, I just wanted to make something that you can just have, make a day of it. And that's and we take that for granted that you and I can just go and have a hoppy Vienna lager, make a day of it. No one's gonna look at us differently. Well, they're gonna look at us differently sometimes because we're we're knuckleheads. But we're accepted. Right. People, you know, she had gay, lesbian, non-binary, trans. A lot of the imagery on here is really powerful because I'm sure people like this don't see themselves on stuff like this. Right. And that's why they created it. You know, you want to talk about diversity, equity, and inclusivity. This is it right here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just one, it tastes good. It's crushable. I told them, I, it, it reminds me, it reminds me of, and I don't really like loggers, but it reminds me of happy logger times playing flip cup at beer gardens. So that's perfect. Yeah, make a day of it. <laughs> that's what it is. Make a day of it. But here's the thing. They, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of people that do not understand um, that way of lifestyle. And it's like, but, and Rossi Bronx came out with this beer and they didn't get as much backlash knowing full well this is supporting the LGBTQ community. And now you have, if, I'm wondering if they came out, if they still created the fund, the police, if they called it Black Lives Matter, do you think they would still have the same backlash they got if it wasn't called, if we called that instead of the fund, the police? I think the backlash would be there. It wouldn't be this severe because you didn't offend the, it's the hero worship. And that's what I always go down to because they always want to talk about like, you have to respect, obey. Um, the other disgusting thing, I think on, let's see, it was on the 19th, by the 20th, I think by the next day, people were bringing up 9-11. I'm like, whoa, whoa. I, you don't think we don't respect the people who lost their lives that day and rushed in there? Like that's and if I don't want me to be blunt, but that's your job and going above and beyond it. But that doesn't mean you get carte blanche and take money away from education, infrastructure, and then they just beat the crap out of black and brown people. Right. Yeah. Like these are two separate notions, but they want again. That's using another object to codify their status quo, their hero worship, and that was that. I mean, I'm not even from here, bro. I can't even. And some people commented like that. People who were here when it happened, who are native New Yorkers, just an absolutely disgusting thing to bring up. It's like, oh, just, oh, okay, we're gonna stop now because you brought up 9/11. Okay, carte blanche, do whatever you want. Sure. It's like, no. like, like that. We, God, I mean, we, we all knew where we were that day. That's always gonna stand with us. But I would say in the last two to five years. There's a lot of pushback against politicians or anyone using 9/11 for these kind of narratives to push their own agenda. So it's like now you're just being disrespected. No. Yeah, that's that. That has two totally different issues. I mean, that's. But yeah, I think if they had a. Yeah, we're not. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get into the whole 9/11 thing. Ooh, yeah, sorry. That's but a, I think if they had, a, if, they, if, if 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 they had just said maybe just a Black Lives Matter, I I, I think that would have been okay because. Yeah, I think that's what it comes down to. Especially when you see the comments and who's writing the comments. People, uh, I don't know how else to put it in a classy way. But make people, were butt, people were butthurt. No. At I mean, the end of the day. And they'd rather let that motivate them as opposed to maybe making real change. Going back to the whole, I mean, this is what you call full circle here. Going back to the whole, the comment I made with Aunt Jemima is 
that there was such backlash over something that's going to impact their lives zero percent. Like, who gives a shit if they're going to call their beer, defund the police, and they're going to put their money into for for good use, the sales of that money into into good use, into a probably a community you don't even belong to. So there, it has zero effect on you, and yet you have this strong, strong reaction to something that has again has nothing to do with you was so shocking. And I'm like, you know, I was, again, I was talking to my friends who had, you know, I was like, oh, Bronx is shit, Bronx is shit. You know, how can they, you know, I mean, I'm not, you know, to fund the police on police. I'm like, I just asked them, like, how does this affect you? And they're like, it doesn't. And I was like, so why do you care? And, and they were like, and they just dot, dot, dot. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I mean, I, you can have your opinion about, I said, the brewery and, you know, what they're doing, but it's like, at, when it comes to the end of the day, it's not affecting you at, at all. You don't have to buy the beer. They don't care if you don't buy their beer. People that want to buy their beer will buy their beer. But now, since it was such a big old backlash and they got in death threats, obviously they're going to take that into account and have safety for obviously for them and their employees and not create this beer that potentially could have just helped, even if it's a small fraction of, of the, the, their community, their local community, or, or the whole of the Bronx itself. Now, and they're, and they're, they're very sure that they can still create dialogue. They're like, come on down. We have a lot of people who come into our brewery and they have opposing point of views, but they will sit and they will talk over a pint, which I think is a very, very nice thought. Right. And, um, but I can't help but think, I, you know, I've been there. I've seen some people behind the tap. I mean, some people are like, oh, the, the people who own the brewery are white. It's like, okay, I don't care. Are they rich? Okay, I don't care. I've seen the people who work, work physically there. They never, they never want to talk about the people behind, you know, the tab. Like I said, Christine Correa. You know, she's now openly LBGT. When you make death threats, they're not going to go over the white guy. Like, they're going to look in there. You know who they're going to go after first. Black, brown, out. And I understand why they had to, they had to pull it. But that's why I say, you know, cowards. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you're, you're, you're like, like, not to reiterate the point, zero effect. Like, it's like, yeah. At the, like, uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's maddening. It's maddening. It's like, this affects you none. I'm trying to wrap my head around the outrage. I mean, I can, I, I can understand the outrage of everything else that's going on. Um, I, can, I can fight you on that. <laughs> but the, the, a brewery that's creating a beer to help their own community that, uh, that you can take zero part of. You can completely ignore it, and yet you took it. You went out of your way to send a death threat because, God forbid, it hurt your your your, your small your small principles of of your racist your, your racist not racist. I mean, I guess your your belief of uh, <laughs> the the police department. It is the indoctrination in this country, and I'll always say this: in the hero worship of the people who serve, with your serve and protect and military. How it's just, it's an automatic, you can't say anything wrong. You can't say anything wrong. You know, especially after 9-11, you look at, you know, the, the NFL never had all these military pregame, you know, the flyovers, everyone stands. I, I remember as a kid, baseball and other games, you know, you stood up the Star Spangled Banner, yes, but the indoctrination really, really just takes hold. Uh, I remember, you know, 80s, just say no to drugs, just say no to drugs. How many police officers came by and all those stories. Um, that's what this country is and it's it's hard for a lot of people not to let go of that security blanket 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're they're good cops and they're they're really bad cops. I mean, there's a bad cop is a really bad cop. There's there's no there's no you're either you're good or you're really bad. There's no oh, yeah. there's, and remember it's it's not it's yeah. not the saying isn't just like oh it's just a couple of bad apples. No, it's a couple of bad apples spoils the barrel. Yeah, or the orchard. <laughs> or the orchard, yeah. So, but that that's gonna be the hard part. Is is it's not blue lives matter. It's a job. It's not all jobs matter. Yeah. So you have to humanize this aspect, which is why I say it's like I do want to defund the police, and I hope you know what Lily. And by the way, one billion out of six billion, they still have five billion. We're talking yeah. the NYPD budget. Hey, restructure that. Really train the fuck out of the cops. Yeah. Because some of the arguments I hear is like the rookies don't get paid enough. They don't get trained well. And this is the argument over not over, over don't don't defund don't reform. I'm like, should you want reform then? Don't you care about these people who decided I do want to protect and serve? But you know what yeah. they really want to say is keep everything the same. You don't get the the tank. You get better education and training for your cops. Take that money away from the, get rid of the tank fund and put it into the like. It's just you're you're moving around. It's like I saw one uh, online. I think it was Facebook. I forget who posted up. It was like a big giant ass fucking Sunday, and it was small little the Ben and Jerry's. But yeah, and it was small little cups around. It was like, here's a big thing, and it's just like a scoop, and everything. Every little cup was like labeled something else, almost whatever. And it's like scoop here, a scoop there, a scoop there, and a scoop there. It's like we're not taking away the entire Sunday. We're just taking a little bit so we can help this little thing or this there or this over here. It's like that. We'll post it. Yeah, it's yeah. Yeah. That's what it really comes down to. So I'm all about. I, I love the idea that we have a system of law enforcement that's for everyone. That's such a great idea. Well, let's make it for everyone. Make for everyone, yeah. Like, yeah. It's and then like, and then you go, you start going to George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, um, like Sandra Bland. I mean, it it sucks. I just can't just rattle off names. I can't imagine what it must be like for someone to live this always, and there's too many. But the, the latest kid, the fortune-year-old, the Elijah, you know, they always say it's like, oh, he, the guy who violin kittens. It's like, no, no, I don't care how good the person is. No black person should just be killed by a cop. Right. But that the police department in Aurora, Colorado, shoots this kid. I mean, not shoots. I'm sorry. I think they, they, they pinned him and, you know, mm-hmm. they, they, they pumped him full of ketamine and he died. Yeah. It, nothing. But the same police department will take down the shooter of a movie theater. The crazy guy here with the look of the bug eyes. Yeah. yeah, same police department. You don't kill that guy. And I'm glad you didn't because we have something in this country called due process. You know, stir, go to trial, serve mm-hmm. your time, or maybe the death penalty. That's a whole other story. Sorry, yeah. It's like, don't tell me there's not a disparity when Dylan Roof gets bought cheeseburgers. <laughs> They're killing nine black people at a church. But George Floyd gets, you know, killed. Yeah, you know, yeah. Eric Garner can't breathe. He gets choked out. Don't tell me. That. Don't tell me there's not a disparity. Right, yeah. All of a sudden, yeah. Or, well, let's, let's look at the, um, the 74-year-old white dude in Buffalo that got pushed by the cops. I was all over oh, all the entire task force decided to quit the next day. I was like... <laughs> Like, that, 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 uh, they, they quit that team. They're still cops. But it's like the fact that you would quit because you were insulted that your two coworkers would be reprimanded. One, not helping him up. You won't try to 
I'll give you know what? I'll let's give him the benefit of the doubt. He's a seventy-five year old dude, and he tripped, banged his head on the on the fucking concrete. You don't help. Don't help him. No. Right. Yeah. That's, yeah. Exactly. Let's say he tripped. Let's say he did everything wrong. An old an old man fell and hit his head on the ground. You don't think to pick him up or yeah. like instead of just walking over him. Like, and I was in Buffalo at the time when that happened, and that was, ah, I remember that. Oh, no. You couldn't go anywhere without hearing something about it. it was, yeah, it was just ridiculous. you know how do how do you shoot a twelve year old kid with a toy gun in his hand in less than like five seconds? Like that video of Tamir Rice, the cop car pulls up, the guy just they're like, Look, door open, cop, boom, shoot, two point something seconds, I think. Yeah, but yeah, it's like, Cops. yeah, but, no. but yeah. We're running against police brutality. I mean, we're, we're, we're yeah. on and on. It's just not, hey, not, hey, guys, can you talk uh, about food? I'm generally designed around <laughs> politics. But, uh, but food is politics. Food is politics. And that's why we're that's, bringing you know, Jemima yeah. and Uncle Ben's and Mrs. Butterworth and obviously defund the police and the, the brewery because obviously yeah. this is affecting all industries, all walks of life, not just obviously the, the civil rights, the human aspect of it. There's obviously the food and industry part. And that's where we have our insight, obviously, because we are chefs and obviously we are beer drinkers, clearly. Um, so we have a little bit more knowledge on that side of the table to bring to this all, you know, the all encompassing conversation about what's going on in the world. Uh, so yeah, so but yeah, no, yeah, we're not gonna, because that's that's a whole nother rabbit hole that we can just. <laughs> I'll give you a quick food one. I wish I could remember the guy's name, but when they first enacted the curfews here in New York, I posted on Facebook, and I wish it wasn't so prophetic. It's like, oh, we're gonna have a curfew, but restaurants can, can still deliver. How are we gonna ensure that black and brown people who are delivering your food or leaving restaurants aren't gonna be arrested? Because you know the essential workers. Okay. And sure enough, I think it was here in the Bronx, uh, a black janitor. You know, he's, he, he was walking out. There was a protest. He's there. He had his letter. It's like, central worker, I'm trying to get home. And they were like, nope, rough house, boom. I think he, they kept him in jail for almost a week. Yeah, but I, I'm, I'm quite sure, and with all the respect to the allies and who are out there from Park Slope, Brooklyn, you know, Brooklyn Heights, Upper East Side, but I'm sure a lot of the white protesters didn't get a lot of the jail time the way this black janitor did. I'm sure they didn't. And that's because, again, Black and brown people in our industry, this is how they're treated. No. But we know a lot of people in our industry who are not people of color and like, oh, are you smoking weed? Keep going, sir. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, just, just walk on by. It's fine. Yeah. Oh, I was like, there's fireworks going off. I am surprised I haven't heard any. It's, it's been going on since nine o'clock. Now it's like, it's in rapid succession. I, I go over and take a look. Uh, that's, I was kind of hoping. Oh no, it's literally right up. I don't. Oh um, god, don't wake the beast. Don't wake the beast. No, I'm, not, I'm not gonna wake the beast. Oh, okay. Of course they stopped when I come over. But literally it was yeah. that building across the street. That's where they were coming from. Those are the projects. So I wonder what like it's been going on, like I said, for a while now. I mean you posted the whole thing. Uh, about the whole fireworks display. I'm not here, I can't see. Um but yeah, just as evidence that actually does happen here. It's been going on for a while. And it'll probably go on until about 3 a.m. But, yeah. It just is like every now and then you hear boom, boom, boom. It's like, what the hell? As I looked out the window, it was like, 
every now and then you'll see like one burst in the air. You know, some of them just like the M80 kind of kind of things. And I'm like, those aren't gunshots. <laughs> those are fireworks. And I'm like, it's weird that I'd rather prefer the gunshots. And uh, <laughs> God, just none of the above. None of the above. I don't want any of them. <laughs> uh, you know, whatever. Anyway, oh, but um, that, that got deep. That got deep. Yeah. <laughs> let's 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 end this in, on a on a happier on a happier note. Um, how do we end this on a happier? All right, all right, host of the show, make that happen. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah. I will say, you know what? I gotta say this. You know, you brought up the whole like I was bringing up black, you know, black businesses. The only bookstore in the Bronx. The only bookstore in the Bronx. I want you someone, if you're listening, look up how big the Bronx is. The only bookstore in the Bronx, because that's, you know, God forbid we are allowed to read books and buy books. <laughs> Black owned business by Noel Santos called The Lit Bar. And, you know, they've obviously been closed. Um, man, it's been such a thrill to see your stuff online. If you go to an online link, go book, like bookshop.org and their particular link, they get a cut, which is really great. Um, they got a huge uptake. You know, I'm not taking no credit. I've had a few people tell me the order from the lip bar and God bless you all. Thank you so much. But like, people are listening. And uh, let me tell you, if you're buying black owned, brown owned, it doesn't mean cheap. Okay. There's no mass marketing. It's, it's mom and pop stores. So it's, you're going to pay more. And I think that's been one of the most enlightening, wonderful things. Because you see all the things that people are, people are not just buying the black food. That wasn't just not just the cookbooks, but about food justice. You know, the new Jim Crow, um, you know, the food justice books, the, the, the story, the fiction, the nonfiction. How do we deal with the race? White fragility. I, I, I know there's a long way to go, but when you see these little bright lights and have silver linings, you got to hold on to them. So you got, you got to use that to take the next level. Painting Black Lives Matter on Pennsylvania Avenue in front of the White House, that's not enough. We need more. Yeah. But it's nice to see these little nice moments happen. <laughs> so, I mean, that, that's going to be fun. Um, but, yeah, I think, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good thing to know. The only bookstore in the Bronx. I mean, the only. Bronx is big. <laughs> Just, Bronx is huge. When they, yeah, we, we, I think we had, like, two Barnes & Nobles at one point, both closed. And it's... You know, you think it's a silly thing because I think most of us like, we just think go to Amazon, go to Amazon. But maybe before Gabby was born, we could just go to bookstores. It's such a big thing to be able to just go to a bookstore and get the book you need now. Yeah, libraries are cool too, but you need these places. And the fact that these big chains don't want to invest in the community, to think, like, what do they think? Like, we don't get books. And yeah, they're going to blame Amazon. But even like you know, the lip bar was open 10 to 11 months before the corona hit, and they were doing pretty dang good. Because guess what? We like books. Right. I mean, even the, even the Barnes and Noble in '86, they they're closing up. I mean, so they're done. Yeah. yeah. So it's and it's that's a weird so, thing because it, it was a good thing for the community because you bring your kids and a good children's section. It was like, but I used to go there all the time. Yeah, I'm not the biggest reader in the world, but. You know, when, you know, I go, because I also get my beard down the block. So it's like, hey, might, might as well peek around for, you know, for whatever. I just poke around, see what cookbooks are out. Because um, I don't like, I, I like a physical, I'm on, I'm on weird. I, I'm, I'll, I'll write notes on my computer, but I need a physical thing. To, I'm fucking weird. And what can I say? Um, so I have like, you know, I 
being a chef, like cookbook, cookbook, book, book, food, you know, food journal, food journal, whatever, different types of things. Yeah, I like a physical copy. I'm, you know, it's just, that's just the way I am. You know, popping around now, it's like, I'm, yeah, I know there's, there's small mom and pop ones around, uh, but it's like, it's weird. It's like a Barnes and Noble, the, uh, the big, a big chain decided to just pack it up. And it's like, all right, that's, that's a big dent to the. No, it's huge. Readers of the world. <laughs> I mean. No, I'm telling you, um, she, uh, Noel Santos, who owns the lip bar, she posted something on her Instagram stories. If and when <laughs> we're all back up and running and we're able to do more business, she's she's going she's going gunning after everyone on the Upper East Side. She's, she's gonna I don't know how but push let people know. Just take the six train up. It's just two a few stops. Exactly. Don't be scared. Don't be scared. Don't be scared. Like your books. <laughs> like your books. Get over here. Yeah. Like I think there might be a couple of independent bookstores in Inwood, Washington Heights, in that area. But again, it's not a lot. Yeah. And with that major hub closed, I'm really hoping these communities can take advantage of what they got. Take advantage, yeah. Because that'd be definitely because you need something to keep keep alive once this thing gets back back and running. Um. So we'll see. But let's let's end on on one more. I got one more topic. It actually oh, oh, oh. finally yes yeah, came up to me. Um. Obviously, food industry that's our world. Obviously, restaurants are. Obviously, they're all struggling, and one of the ways Eric got creative in which how to you know try to stay alive, keep some sort of of cash flow coming in. The availability of takeout alcoholic beverages. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the to go cocktails. Uh, obviously, they they're they're obviously before this that really didn't exist um unless you know you, you bought you know you, you bought the six pack or whatever and you walked out and went home but like after like restaurants now are are being able to sell um there that just to like have some sort of cash flow do you um and i i always thought that would be become the new normal just because they're obviously the restaurant industry is hurting and that's only way they can try to recuperate some sort of uh, <laughs> money. Cash flow. Yeah, cash flow. Investment that they lost, obviously, for these past three months that are continuing going on. Because now, you know, they're, yes, we, we are reopening and you can have uh, indoor, but it's half, half capacity. Or you can, you know, outdoor seating, your mask. That's still, we, restaurants operate on the thinnest of margins as it was. Now you're like, it's not going to like all of a sudden you open up and you're going to get, you're going to get this business right off the bat. People are still going to be, hesitant i don't want to say afraid but they're gonna be hesitant about going into a place oh yeah um yeah there can be initial oh my you're open i'm gonna i'm gonna go uh or, you know so yeah i'm gonna support the, that bar and the restaurant that that made it through and they're trying to you know i'm gonna go back i'm gonna go back and try to give them but it's like they're they're still gonna struggle you still you need help and i'm like do you think um it's a double all right so here's the double-edged sword question do you do you think it's wise for restaurants, should restaurants still be able to do the takeout of alcoholic beverages? Um, because obviously, obviously, they're bringing the cash flow, but at the same time, they're still going to be held liable for what happens if people do something and get drunk off and they got backtrack it. It came from X, you know, though, how they usually do if you get, you know, you get drunk in a bar and you leave the bar and something happens, technically. We'll backtrack into the bar and see if you took all the proper precautions. If you know, do whatever. So the double-edged sword question comes in: Do you feel the laws should be kept the way they are, 
because these restaurants and these industries are hurting so much that this is a, a much needed help? Or do you think to keep everyone safe, like to so some degree, like the way it was before, that way, you know, there's, there's the liability, health, the health, you know, the health safety factor, I should say. From what I hear, they're extending the law another month. So you're still going to be able to like go somewhere, grab a cocktail to go. Um, you know what? I think, I'm, you know, there, there is a, it'd be a lot different when it's in LA because it's a car culture. But I think when, especially when it comes to Manhattan, Brooklyn, people are just going to walk around. And I think it's one of those, after a certain point, you know, you chose, you've taken your thing. It's your responsibility. Right. It, I mean, it, it, you're not going to pound <laughs> You're not going to have seven Manhattans and then go somewhere and cause trouble because that's where, like, you overserve this person. Right. It's hard to overserve someone when they can only take one beverage to go. Now, I'm, I'm wondering if at a certain point, if you show up to a restaurant, if, you, if you've done a bar crawl, which you shouldn't do yet, I don't care what phase two or phase three is. Mm. Um, <laughs> but I think if somebody inebriated shows up to your restaurant to order a gimlet to go, I, I, I'm guessing you still have the right to go, mm, no. No, yeah, I would assume so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think I think it can definitely ride. There, there are, I mean, it's, it's gonna be nothing like what we saw in our own separate occasions in New Orleans, where it's just like, what's well, I'm saying? I'm like, Bazarac in the street. There, there are there are cities where obviously you can you can obviously like I said, there's New Orleans, like you mentioned. Vegas is that same way. It's like you blatantly just drinking the streets, and I'm like, if they can do it. Why can't we now keep this? Sort of thing, rolling to help, you know, not maybe not for the, the long term, but, uh, but at least a couple more months to try to get this thing back to help them get back. I see that happening. I see that happening. I think they're gonna let it go a little while longer because in room dining, 50%. I, you know what? No, I can't say I don't see people doing it because I've seen. You know, people are gonna. <laughs> this is this is this is me centering myself depending who's gonna hear stuff. I have seen pictures from other states who have allowed in-room dining at 50%. But all of a sudden, you see in the news, states are backtracking some of these laws now because well, of the uptick of the coronavirus. So, yeah, you, you, you can tell us <laughs> we're allowed to have 50% room dining. But I think as we can see from other places, uh, well, now we're good. We're, we're good. <laughs> we're going to you, Florida. Florida. North Carolina, South Carolina. North Florida. I'm blaming the Florida. Yeah, no, um, I've seen, you know what? I can actually say that the Carolinas too, yeah. in other places. I've seen a lot of social media stories, pictures. Um, you know, we know people. I don't know. If you, I don't actually I don't know if you do. But um, I know people who fled and they've gone to respective other places because we were the epicenter. Right. But now wherever they've gone is becoming the epicenter. Right. Everyone went out. Just, you know, where there was no infection was like it's it's a matter of time before, and it did it started infect everywhere else. You probably took it with you. Just, like, yeah, good. Wear your fucking masks, people. That's all I'm trying to say. But well, these places are not coming up again. It's like we didn't even we're not even saying all right. It's not even wave two. We're still in wave wave one. It's still going on. Like yeah. Even, so I think yeah, keep the law in place. I don't see. I you know what. You know, I really, I, I want New Yorkers to, to, I want to believe in us that they're going to say, yes, 50% in-room dining and people are going to go, fuck you. We're arrogant. 
And I'm sorry, and I'm sorry for the restaurants in that case, which is why we really need to keep up that takeout system. And I really hope there's some cash flow. Um, but it would be amazing if we didn't have a six billion dollar budget that went to one industry only. Maybe we could help out other people. Yeah, try to save I don't know certain communities that were affected by pure racism and fear. Or, or maybe the first cash handout shouldn't have been a trillion dollars to Wall Street. Wall Street, yeah. I don't know. What do I know? What yeah. do I know? We're just the people. <laughs> just a couple of guys. Little guys, little gabagoo, you know. Hey, <laughs> having a conversation about stuff. You're just talking, just talking. Mm-hmm. But man, yeah, I, I hope it continues. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I've seen a lot of cool. You know, I've seen some of the pictures from New York now with their face too. Um, <laughs> I'm not comfortable being in that crowd yet, but I see people they're grabbing their drinks and going. Uh, people who are. <laughs> East Village, Astoria, talking to you. Grab your drinks and go. Don't loiter in the sidewalks. Just keep going. Keep going. Keep them open. Yeah. I just, uh, yeah. I mean, where I live now, the mask situation is, is always hit or miss. Is easy. They don't, they don't want to wear it. And then it's becoming more hit and miss in my part of the block, which I was really surprised. Cause like it we were looks cause where I am is there's, there's unfortunately there's obviously the homeless. There's obviously the recovering drug addicts, the drug addicts are still hanging on the street cause they got nowhere to go. No. Um, so it's like, yeah, you gave them a mess. They don't give a shit about wearing it. They don't give a shit about much things about, I mean, so it's, you know, trying to walk through there, you know, just to, you know, maybe try to get to the park early in the morning before it gets really hot up or it gets too crowded where you can still safely social distance, you know, you still got to walk through a whole bunch of people, which is, you know, and then they're who they are. I mean, it's, it's unfortunate that they're stuck. Yeah, in we, the, we, we don't, we don't, in, we don't invest in places to take care of it. So it's kind of hard. So it's kind of one of those, it's, it's, it's a catch 22 question when Aaron's like, Oh yeah, wear your mask, wear your mask. I'm like, hey, you don't even care about half of these people that are here. You cared about yeah. it, you changed the situation. You have abandoned buildings left and right. You're building up other stuff, but you're not taking care of the people that are living right there. Or, or, actually, or they're trying to live. Or they don't have a home. They're, like, they're just hanging around. I see the same people day in, day out, no matter what time of day, during the night. They're, just, they're, they're always there. I remember seeing a, a post. Someone was, like, someone was sharing a post by some right-wing person. So they were saying, it's like, Black Lives Matter wants to take all the white people's land. That's what, and I'm like, that's funny, because that's what white people have done historically. And someone was like, well, that doesn't happen now. And I want to remind everybody, if you don't know how New York works, uh, money was set aside to create Section 8 housing for people, you know, lower class. Yeah. And what happened is that money got diverted to the West Side. And now we have something called the Hudson Yards, full of restaurants for rich people, shopping for rich people. And the High Line got renovated. But all that money that was supposed to be for housing there got turned into a rich people's playground. We, there was money <laughs> to help people, and what happened? They got diverted. So you know, it still happens. Still happens. We need to stop that. Yeah. Um, but yes. So you know, like I said, we're just two guys. Just talking. Just talking. Mm-hmm. All right, but um, yeah. Let's uh, let's let's end this bad boy. Um. Obviously, uh, if you want to follow, yeah, give out if if you want to. Obviously, where people can find you and help. 
support you your battles or you know whatever whatever you want to say to them you know if they want you to follow you know yourself you know to help be more educated on certain things i guess or, or whatever or follow you in, in your crusade as as you do well when this goes up we'll make sure to tag everything because my, my profile is public on Facebook, so please feel free to follow me here. Um, the uh, you know, you'll see me the, the the tags and whatnot. Uh, Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Gregorio Eats. Um, it, it, it's harder to go long form there for me, so I usually do a lot of retweeting or fun food food pictures. It's it's fun. You know, like I said, I I live in that intersection between food, justice, family, and humor. Uh, but connect with me there. I don't mind talking. Um, I, I I I do not. People want me to be civil, but when it comes to certain points, Robert's, Robert's rules of order and civility goes out the window, because I, I don't like I don't like playing devil's advocate because you're advocating for the devil. I don't mind if you want to have an argument with me about whether pineapple goes on pizza. That's an opinion. Race racism and people's rights. I, I yeah. I'm not going to be proper. I'm going to dunk on you. There's, there's but, no having two different you know points of view obviously you know i'd say i'm all anti-black lives matter obviously i'm gonna have a like there has to be a civility if you're gonna come into it just attack him and i'm i'm from what i know of you and what i've seen <laughs> and post and you know everything there's gonna be a clash and you're going to lose i'm just gonna make you cry yeah make you cry. It's, it's, but please yeah. reach out learn i don't I do. I always say Google's free, but you know, if we talk, I'll drop some knowledge and recommendations for you. I, that, that, I, I, and Lord knows, I've had some great people help me, and that's the only reason I can do this because I read, at least you know, with the food justice stuff. You know, my, Michael Twitty, Brian Terry, Luz Calvo. There's just so I'm, I'm writing a book now called Sister Vegan. It's a black queer book and their life in veganism, but it all goes back to food ways. This is how I understand. You know, my I. I I know so many people that can read much more intelligent things that I can and process it, but this is how I process it. It's food and humor. If you're into that, head my way. I don't mind talking. That's right. There you go. So what yeah. is happening? My humidity in the hair. Yeah, I'm about having the hair. I have to go. So I'll tag it all in at Guru Eats, you know, the Twitters and the Instagrams, obviously, your Facebook uh, as well. Uh, that way, you know, people can, if they, they're intrigued enough to interact and debate and talk about food and food politics and food history and where things come from, because obviously you, you are a plethora of knowledge. Um, and wherever you post this, I'll, I'll try my best to post some links about like where to buy books from the lip bar, some of the fun stuff that I've been reading. Uh, it's, it's all, it's hard, but it should be. Do the work. Right. Um, Sorry, who's going to, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, yeah, yes, yes. There was a joke you know, in my head that I, I centered myself halfway through. That's why I got this part. No, no, no. <laughs> anyway. We try, we try. We're grown-ups now. It's been a long time. I mean, just, I just, anyway. Um, <laughs> well, there we go, ladies and gentlemen. You made it this far. Oh, yeah. We made it this far. We made, we made it this far um, with... One blatant di uh, dick joke uh, that I said to myself halfway through, which is shocking because you know, I just I just blatantly just say it right out loud. Um, Not like you to pull out. Yeah, you know. 
I should just close this right now and just walk away. That's that should just and that's the ending. Oh. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> dick jokes are us. Here we go. Anyway. <laughs> Obviously I'm Travis Ewan. This is the the foodie <laughs> say die podcast. Um obviously you can catch me obviously uh through Facebook. Obviously um I'm on there, your own private page. Um we do like I said earlier, we do have the the farewell to West Third, um the, the place that we had our, our start of our career. Um it was obviously me, Gregorio, and our good friend and manager, uh Erica Temchin. She was on there. Um it's about less than two hours long. It's I mean, if you have time, sit, you know, or go back and forth. Uh, we talk about how we started, the people we wanted to thank, a couple of stories, a little fun times that we had there. Um, and obviously shenanigans, we drank, we, we have a good time. Um, you can find me, like I said, uh, I'm not on Twitter yet. Um, well, I have Twitter, I just don't use it. I mean. That's fine. I, don't, I got enough crap going on. Um, speaking of which, like I said, I'm, I'm on Instagram. Um, as a, you'll tell you, I am your Drunkleberry. I'll put that in in the all the, the hashtags as well because if you look up foodies never say die may or may not pop up um but i'm a drunkleberry definitely will um i'm there you see a bunch of food a lot of beer i post obviously the beers that i drink my reviews uh some topics that that are bouncing around um so it's more it's more centralized than what the the podcast or this vidcast or whatever you want to call it it's more beer and food centric um so you catch me on there uh, if you want to talk to me about beer and actually food you can do that as well um i am starting up a youtube channel um so that's going to be a little bit more all over the place uh, i'm trying to you know figure that part out hopefully i can get this thing up so people can comment and we can have a, a conversation about what we talked about today uh, if i can't um hopefully i can get the audio down and i'll obviously put that up on the podcast um, you can find me on spotify um, the main source is anchor because you know, i'll add a little bunch of sound effects other than that ding that you, that you keep hearing um other things as well um it's a, it's a specialized thing so a lot of sound effects that come there you can only hear it through anchor spotify for some reason cuts it out um which kind of sucks because i added a bunch of little goofy shit every now and then um so yes and, and, yeah you just throw it in there you just gotta ram it in there sometimes anyway that's a, that's the last dick joke of the night um <laughs> thank you once again uh, I'm Travis Ewan. Thanks for tuning in um, to the Foodies Never Say Die podcast. And uh, hopefully I'll get another podcast out, Vidcast, something out soon. And again, try to keep this a little bit more regular. Um, times, they are changing. Uh, so with that going on, I hopefully get to talk to you guys more. Uh, have a good night, ladies and gentlemen. Good night.